Hi, and welcome to Cameron's Baptist Church Sermons Podcast. We hope you're blessed by today's message. Good morning, everyone. Oh, good. This is working. Um, so as Pastor Robson mentioned, my name is Hannah, and I'm married to a wonderful man called Mujtaba, and we live just down the road in Shepherd's Bush. Um, And this morning, I have the great honour of speaking to you as an Open Doors representative. Um, As Pastor Robson mentioned, we are an international ministry seeking to serve Christians around the world who face the most severe forms of persecution. One of the ways that we do this is through bridging the divide between Christians in countries like England, where we're free to worship, with Christians in other parts of the world where there is a cost to following Christ. Perhaps attending a church service like this one may lead to your arrest or may even endanger your life. Or perhaps following the way of Jesus in your home country becomes so dangerous you are forced to flee and become a refugee in a foreign land. I know it's hard for us to even comprehend that in this context today, but that is not a reason for us to turn our backs or disengage. So to help us understand more about this issue, I've got a short video which I'd like to show you. Hopefully it's ready. And this video shows us more about the top 10 countries where persecution is most severe. Thank you. Do you know that you are part of a family? As disciples of the way of Jesus, we have the honor and privilege of being part of one extensive, diverse, and unified family. This family is so beautiful. It is the body of Christ, of which every single one of us is a part. But a part of this body, our family, is hurting. And it's not just a small part. As we just saw in this video, 360 million Christians around the world are facing loss, suffering, and persecution. But what does this mean to me? A Christian living in the UK where I'm free to follow the way of Jesus, attend church, and share his good news. In Corinthians chapter 12, Paul, when speaking about the body of Christ, our church family says, if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. This is an extraordinary and bewildering statement and is one that requires our attention. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. I believe in this bold statement, Paul is conveying to us a deep, empathetic and compassionate connection that the Lord intends for his family. If my sister in Christ living in Afghanistan suffers for her faith, do I suffer too? If she is separated from her children and is forced to flee and seek asylum in a foreign land, am I moved? Does my heart break for her? Or do I shy away from her suffering Or do I choose to enter into it through remembering her and lifting her up in prayer? This empathy, connection and understanding is not automatic. This requires some work from me. 
In Corinthians, Paul is calling us to actively engage in these issues and in the suffering of our family members. In 2016, I was finishing my degree. I was training to be an art psychotherapist and I decided to move to Turkey, as you do. Um, I was working in London with those who had been displaced um, by the brutal war in Syria, and I decided to move to Turkey to be a little bit closer to where the conflict zone was. So a few weeks after my graduation, I jumped on a plane and relocated my life to a small town just outside Istanbul. And there I decided to join the local church, which I should point out is unusual because there aren't that many churches in Turkey. This so happened to be a rather large church, though. There was three congregations, Turkish-speaking, Farsi-speaking, which was made up of mostly people from Iran and Afghanistan, and also Arabic-speaking, with people mainly from Syria and Iraq. I absolutely loved that church. It was amazing. This church was not like any church I had attended before. About 98% of the people who attended the church had been forced to flee their homes due to war, conflict and persecution. Due to my role working with Syrian refugees in the local area, I joined the Arabic-speaking congregation, not that I can speak Arabic, and learned quickly that most of the attendees had arrived within the previous year when ISIS had invaded their towns and villages in the north of Iraq. I don't know if you remember seeing those scenes on the news. They were horrific. As Christians, their lives were in grave danger. So they had to flee in a matter of hours to save their lives. One of these people was my friend Sarah, who I'm still really good friends with. Sarah is from a wealthy family from Mosul. Her parents are both retired doctors. Um, and they had finished building their perfect home, which they were planning to live out their retirement in. However, when ISIS invaded, they were forced to flee. I remember the day when my friend received photographs from a neighbor of her family home that had been ransacked by the terrorist organization. Even the sockets had been pulled out of the walls. It was totally destroyed. I remember singing hymns in the Arabic service and feeling really emotional as I saw people who had literally lost everything because of their identity as Jesus followers chose to worship the one who is worthy of it all. We'd regularly sing a hymn based on the words of the psalm, um, Psalm 91, where it says, he will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. Never before had I had such a connection with the words of this psalm. Iraq, um, Iraq is number 18 on our world watch list. We just saw um, the top 10. Over 125,000 Iraqi Christians have been forcibly displaced from their homes since ISIS invaded in 2014. 125,000 people. That is a lot of people that are no longer able to live in their homes. This church is also where I met my husband, Mujtba. He was part of the leadership of the Farsi-speaking group 
and arrived in Tur Turkey exactly one year before I did. Mujtaba is from Iran, which is number eight on the video that we just watched. Mujtaba was brought up in a nominal Muslim family, as many people are in Iran, and encountered Jesus powerfully at the age of 18. I don't have time to go into the story, but it's a great story, so feel free to come and chat to me afterwards if you're interested. This encounter was so significant that he decided to dedicate his life to serving Christ and his church, no matter the cost. At the age of 20, Mujtaba's family home was raided by the intelligence service, and he was arrested alongside his father, his brother, and his sister, who had also become Christians. After 22 days in solitary confinement, he was released on bail with a, with a suspended sentence. Despite the horrors of what he had experienced, Mujtaba could not deny the changes that Jesus had made in his life and the life of his family, so he carried on. He continued leading underground house churches, um, which continued to grow in number. Three years later, as this house, one of the house churches was gathered together, again, the intelligence service raided as they were worshipping together. The officers arrested the leaders, put their hands in handcuffs and put blindfolds over their eyes. Mujtaba was sent again to solitary confinement where he, he served 30 days and daily interrogations. He was then sent to prison for three years. But why? Why? For this four, I'll tell you why. For choosing to follow Jesus and to honour his great commission to share the gospel and go and make disciples. In the New Testament, in Hebrews, chapter 13, verse 3, Paul writes, continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison and those who are mistreated as you yourself were suffering. You might be thinking, why am I telling you this story? Every so often, people say to me, I really care about persecuted Christians, but I do not know what to do. I feel helpless. I believe this very simple instruction from Paul to remember is a good place to start. To remember. I don't know about you, but I get so busy and distracted with everyday life that sometimes I can't remember what I had for breakfast in the morning. But there is an invitation for us here to allow ourselves to take time out of our busy days, our busy schedules to think about, to pray about, to get informed about brothers and sisters who are being persecuted because of their faithfulness to Jesus and their calling and his calling on their lives and to allow that remembering to bring us to a place of prayer where we're praying with empathy, understanding and a closeness for those who are suffering. In our remembering, we have some incredibly valuable lessons to be learned from our persecuted family. 
Let their boldness in the face of suffering and their courage and defiance in the face of adversity, pain and loss be a reminder to us of how precious our Lord Jesus is. Surely he is worthy of everything that we are and everything that we have. So I was supposed to bring some postcards with me this morning, but I have to confess, confess I did forget. So I really apologize about that. But I have got with me a QR code. And that QR code, you, what you can do is scan it and you can sign up for regular information from Open Doors, either weekly or monthly emails. These are not just nice emails with happy stories. These are a reminder for us to pray. It's really difficult to pray if you don't know what you're praying about. And this information you will not come across easily in the media or on the news. So if you're interested, do come and chat to me at the end. I'll be standing by the banner. And um, if you would like to receive information about our persecuted family, um, do come, you can scan the QR code. If that doesn't work for you, I can give you my email and uh, feel free to send me an email and I'll be very happy to share with you information that, that can be used as fuel for your prayers. I think this is a really helpful way to remain empathetically connected to our family around the world. It has been an amazing honour for me over the last nine years to meet befriend and work alongside incredible people who have experienced forced displacement, many of whom who have fled their homes and claimed asylum away from their families due to severe persecution on account of their faith in their home countries. One of the persistent themes I've witnessed through meeting people who've experienced, who've had this experience, is that there is a cost to following Christ. Perhaps this cost isn't something that you've considered before. But for many of our family members around the world who experience severe persecution, there absolutely is a cost to following Jesus. And that cost can be extremely costly. In Matthew 19, we see the story of the rich man who asks Jesus what he must do to receive eternal life. Jesus explains to his followers that it is extremely challenging for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And this astonished and confused his disciples. In verse 27, Peter said to Jesus, we have left everything to follow you. What then will there be for us? In reply, Jesus said to him and the other disciples, truly I tell you, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on the 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel and everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and many who are last will be first. This might have just been me, but I really didn't understand this passage until I moved to Turkey. 
in our church on account of their faith in Jesus and choosing to follow him, many had been separated from their loved ones. Just like my friend Rima. She had been given a Bible secretly by a colleague and she gave her life to Jesus. In the country where Rima was living, it is incredibly dangerous to become a Christian from a Muslim background. She understood this but the, and the severity of her situation became very real when one of her relatives was, were killed by family members because they suspected that he had given his life to Jesus. After this incident, Rima fled to save her life. En route to safety in Europe, she was arrested by Turkish authorities and imprisoned in Istanbul. After she was released, I lived with Rima for a few weeks and I was woken up several times by her screaming in her sleep, reliving the horrors that she had experienced. I would not wish the pain of being separated from loved ones on anyone. It is a deep, profound and physical pain. But look at what Jesus says when speaking about people who have experienced persecution and have consequently been separated from their families for his sake. He says they will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. That many who are first will be last and many who are last will be first. Through people at that church, I witnessed a relationship with Jesus that I personally had not seen or experienced before. When I lived with Rima, I would say goodbye to her in the morning and she would be sitting on the sofa reading her Bible and I would go off to work. When I came back in the evening, she would be sitting in the same position on that sofa reading her Bible. It seems to me that in the depths of injustice and the consequent loss suffering and pain that Jesus draws in really close. His kingdom is an upside down kingdom where those who have lost everything are drawn in um, to his kingdom to experience him really closely. He is the treasure. At Open Doors, we believe that those of us living in the UK have so much to learn from our family who face persecution. They are not just the persecuted church who are far away. They are our family. Their faithfulness to following the way of Jesus and accepting the cost in their contexts should really cause us to ask some questions of ourselves. What would I be willing to lose? on account of my faith? Could I bear being separated from my family, from my home, from everything that's familiar to me? Do I really believe that Jesus is worth everything that I have and all that I am? I'm asking those questions of myself as well, not just you guys. I would like to end by sharing a very short story with you to encourage you as you pray for our family around the world. This story is about the power of scripture in persecution and highlights 
how important it is for us to pray that God would remind our brothers and sisters who are being persecuted of scripture in the midst of their suffering so that they can be emboldened and empowered by God's word. As I mentioned earlier, when Mujtaba was first arrested, he was 20 years old. And he spoke to me recently about an experience that he had during his first arrest. He was in a cell with, blind, with a blindfold over his eyes and his hands were tied together behind his back. And he was waiting to be taken to prison. He had not yet received his sentence, so he had absolutely no idea how long he was going to be in prison for. And he was in a state of shock after being in solitary confinement for such a long time. As someone in their early 20s, he reflected on how he was absolutely terrified about going to prison because he had heard that young people were particularly at risk of harm. He told me that he was crouched over in his cell, weighed down by intense anxiety and terror at what was to come. However, Mujtaba told me that despite his fear in the darkness, he suddenly remembered the words of a psalm. The first line of Psalm 23 entered his mind and almost instantly filled him with confidence and courage. His posture completely changed. Standing tall and confident in that cell, Mujtaba was emboldened by the simple but profound words, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Let this be our prayer this morning for our family around the world who are being persecuted, that deeply in their hearts and minds, they would know the Lord as their shepherd and that in him they have all that they need. Let us be united in prayer for our persecuted family this morning. After all, these are our brothers and our sisters who are being persecuted for following Christ. Let's pray. Father, we worship you this morning. Jesus, you are King of kings and Lord of lords, and we love you and we worship you. We acknowledge that all authority is in your hands. Thank you, Lord, that through your sacrifice, we are invited into a relationship with God and that we are also invited into a global family. And we thank you for this family, this precious family that we are a part of. But Lord Jesus, we lift before you this morning our brothers and sisters around the world who experience severe persecution. We pray for those who are in prison right at this moment, that they will be encountering the power of your word, that others will know that you are their shepherds and they have found everything they need in you. We pray for those who are meeting in secret, even now as we are meeting here in this church. 
Lord Jesus, will you pour out your, your protection over them? Lord Jesus, we pray for the children in those meeting places as well. Lord Jesus, keep them safe. We pray that you will be um, that they will encounter you this morning in a powerful way, that despite the things that they may face, they will know you, know you closely throughout the whole of their life. Lord, we pray for those who have been separated from family members. Lord Jesus, will they find everything that they need in you? Will they look to you for everything that they need? Will you be their close friend? Will you be their family? Will, will we be their family, Lord? Lord Jesus, we pray that you will be glorified in and through this church. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. If you want more information about Camrose Baptist Church, visit our website, www.camrosebc.org.uk. Follow us on Instagram at Camrose Baptist Church and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Camrose Baptist Church Edgeware.